Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready? See if you can identify these five clips in the order that they're played. It could be from a song, a movie, a TV show, or something else. But if it's coming from this podcast, then you know that it's from Generation X. If our guest gets it wrong on the show, then I'll explain how you can enter to win a fabulous prize package. Listen closely. Good luck. Get out the lion's den. He helped kill a gun. Get off the island. Lord. Get a little closer. Don't be shy. Get a little closer. And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Xavier Host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for ultimate slacker prizes, and in the process, do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen, and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. I am very excited to welcome two first-time guests to the show as we share our memories of life growing up during Generation X. There's something here for everyone, but if you like reminiscing about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Echo and the Bunnymen, and Cheers, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like. We're going to say the pop culture nostalgia of Generation X from being forgotten today with this husband and wife matchup. These two are some real VIP level Patreon supporters. And as a thank you for that support, we are very glad to have them on the podcast here tonight. Let's give a very quick hello to each of them now. Let's first welcome to the show a first-time guest whose musical tastes include Modern English, Susie and the Banshees, and John Denver, question mark. Please welcome to the show, Rachel. Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Super excited to be here and can't wait to beat Paul. Nice. Let's also welcome to the show, Rachel's husband, 
who happens to be fluent in English, Spanish, and Tolkien's Elvish. Please welcome Paul. Thanks for being on the show, Paul. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. Rachel told me one thing before the show. She said, don't try to be funny. Just try to win. (laughs) The next day, I learned that was a burn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I speak for the listeners when I say, hey, uh, try to give us a few chuckles while you're here. Hey, thanks so much for your support on our Patreon account. I hope we've selected the right kinds of stuff to quiz you on here tonight and that you'll both have a good time on the episode. But before we start, let's give a quick overview of how we play the game. The show is broken up into three rounds of trivia and games. Whoever has the most points at the end of round three will win a chance at today's rad slacker prize. The power struggle. In the opening of this episode, you heard five quick clips from Generation X. The game is called The Power Struggle, and in this game, you need to name those five clips in the order that they were played. At any time during the episode, contestants can interrupt the game and declare that they want to solve the power struggle question. They only get one chance to answer it correctly, and if they are correct, then they instantly steal the power away from their opponent, and as an added wrinkle, we're awarding a whopping five bonus points to your score. However, if the guest gets it wrong here in the show, then we are going to Open it up to all of you listening to the episode to contact the show and see if you can get it correct. All correct entries to contact the show via our newsletter will be entered into a quarterly drawing to win a prize package from the podcast. So stick around and find out if our guests can get the power struggle question correct or not. Then I'll explain how you can send in your entry to try and win it. We'll play the clip a couple of times during the episode. So listen closely and see if you can solve the power struggle. How are you guys feeling on that power struggle for after your first listen? Uh, I never get more than four. I don't really? know. Why. Yeah. You got four on this one? No, I have three. <laughs> I have two. I only have two, but that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. You'll get a couple more listens. It might come to you. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey guys, you know, You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have our first game of the night. It's a game we call The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. In this game, we take facts about a topic, and players take turns to identify them on the list. An incorrect answer will get you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power, the power, which allows the player who has it to make all the choices in the game first and wins all ties as long as they control the power. This episode's Facts of Life list is all about surfing legends from the 70s and 80s. I'll give you the name of a pro surfer, and you need to tell me that surfer's birth country and signature move out on the waves. I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about the TV show Cheers. Never get this. What the heck? Oh, God. oh my gosh. You gave me a heart attack. All right. All right. Cheers. I am all in. Okay. Cheers is a beloved television sitcom that ran on NBC from 1982 to 1993. The show is set in the titular bar in Boston, where a group of locals meet to drink, relax, socialize, and hilarity ensues. With a total of 275 half-hour episodes across 11 seasons, hundreds of characters walked up and down the steps to visit Cheers during that run. Some were regulars who got their names shouted out each time they entered the door, and some came and went before we barely got to know them. In any event, Cheers was clearly the place to be when you wanted to go someplace where everybody knows your name. This episode, Facts of Life Lists, asks, how well do you know their names on Cheers? We will have a head-to-head challenge asking for you to give the full names of different characters on the TV show Cheers. I'll give you part of the name of a character, and you must reply with their full name. Right? Each name has a hint available if you ask for it. A correct answer is worth two points without the hint, but only one point if you ask for the hint. We have 28 names on the list. 
to keep things fair, you need to give me the number and I'll read you the name on the list at the number you gave me. Okay. We played an exciting game of Axis and Allies backstage to see who goes first. And after two days of playing, Paul's family member needed to use the table. And without a clear winner, Rachel conceded in order to get back to living life the way most of the games of Axis and Allies actually turns out. So, Paul, you get to go first. Go ahead and get us started. Give me a number between 1 and 28. Let's go to number one. Number one. Wow, what a surprise. The name is Carla. What is Carla's full name? Carla Tortelli. Carla Tortelli is... Correct. Well done. If you needed the hint, listeners, the hint is last name is an Italian word that means a type of filled pasta traditionally made in the Lombardy and Tuscany regions of Italy. (laughs) All right. I didn't know that. I did not know that. You might think it's tortellini, but tortelli is also a specific type of traditional pasta made in Lombardy and Tuscany regions. And she had like three middle names too, which I think for judges, are we going to award those two points, even though he didn't say the middle names? I <laughs> oh, still going to do it. Okay. We're not going to get that technical. Rachel's playing cutthroat. I like she it. Is. She's yes. <laughs> All right, Rachel, give me a number. Number nine. Number nine. The name is Eddie. What is Eddie's full name? Eddie Lebec. Eddie Lebec is correct. Well done. The hint was, if you need it, listeners. He was a hockey goalie married to Carla. So no strikes. Back to you, Paul. This is going to be brutal. I will Uh, say number three. The name is Loretta, but maybe it might help you if I say it like this. Loretta. Loretta. Yeah, I got to say Loretta Tortelli. That's correct as well. We might sweep this list. Her hint was, last name is an Italian word that means a type of filled pasta traditionally made in the (laughs) Lombardy and Tuscany regions of Italy. Second wife. Right. Rachel, back to you. Number two. Nick. Tortelli. (laughs) Right. Tortelli's on this list. So far. Nick's hint was, his last name is an Italian word that means a type of filled pasta traditionally made in the Lombardy and Tuscany regions of Italy. In Italy. (laughs) Back to you, Paul. Number five. The name is Serafina. Ooh, that's rough. Serafina. Well, no, I'll take the hint. Yeah, I'll take the, the hint. The hint is there's a popular Italian restaurant chain named Serafina. I wonder if they serve a specific type of filled pasta traditionally made in Lombardy and Tuscany regions oh of Italy here. Gosh, I was going to guess Tortelli because they've all been Tortelli. So Tortelli. Tortelli is correct for one what point. married to? Oh, the son. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel, no strikes so Uh, far for either of you. All right. Number 10. So you guys are crushing it. We're going to cap this at 12 names. Make sure the episode doesn't run long. Whoever has the most points at the end of 12 names, we're going to call it. Okay. All right. What's your number, Rachel? 10. This is a two for one. They're twins named Elvis and Jesse. I think they're the Tortelli as well. That's correct. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. The hint is these are the twins that Carla had in season five, whose last name is also the name of a type of pasta traditionally made in the Lombardy and Tuscany <laughs> regions of Italy. Paul, back to you. No strikes. Yeah. I got to get out of the tortelli. So let's go with 28. Okay. I'm glad we're getting out of the tortellis. Number 28 is Ludlow. Oh, freaking guy with the tweed jacket. Ludlow. What is uh, Ludlow's last name? Give me a hint on this one. Uh. Nicknamed Lud by Carla, he's named for his absentee father, esteemed psychiatrist Dr. Bennett Ludlow. However, his last name is the name of a specific type of pasta found traditionally in the Lombardy and Tuscany regions of Italy. Tortelli. 
There's a lot of Tortellis on the show. Let's just face it. I tried to get out of them. It's okay. You still got the point. Rachel, back to you. 15, please. The name is Ernie. His nickname was Red when he played baseball, and his uh, skill was getting hit by pitches. <laughs> Pantuzo. Well done. He was a specialist getting hit by pitch. Ernie Coach Pantuso. The hint was, if you just say coach, you're going to get it wrong. That was impressive. Impressive. Paul, back to you. You're a little bit down on points. I don't know if you can afford a hint or not, but give me a number. Uh, let's go with 25. The name is Kevin. Well, Kevin, I cannot even, yeah, doesn't even, like, Ludlow, I kind of had a feel, but uh, Kevin, nah. So even though I'm going to lose, thank you, I will take the hint. Okay, the hint is, this real-life Boston pro athlete appeared as himself in two episodes called Cheers Fouls Out and Where Have All the Floorboards Gone? McHale. Kevin McHale. He didn't let me finish. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Even Laker fans had to enjoy his performance. Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale is correct. Well done. Okay, Rachel, back to you. Well, the name is Diane. Diane Chambers. Well done. You got that one as well. You're going down. Question all of my life choices (laughs) that brought me to this moment. The hint is what Harry T. Stone on Night Court might call his office. That was the hint if he needed it. Paul, back to you. 2020. The name is Rebecca. Rebecca Howell. Well done. I'm going to need him to repeat that last name because I think he's pronounced it incorrectly. You are brutal. It's how Rebecca, how that's what you said. You said hell, but he's right. Judges. (laughs) Should we go to the tape? (laughs) We're going to give it to him. He's behind on points. Uh, The hint was in case you needed it shares the name of hockey legend, Gordy, whose number nine Jersey is worn proudly by Cameron in the movie Ferris Bueller's day off. So if you haven't figured out by now, she's pretty cutthroat. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm getting that vibe. And I watch a, way too much television, but that's all right. Well, it raised us Gen Xers, so yeah, I'm not surprised. That is true. Rachel, run up the score with one more number. Number 11. This one's going to be rough. Uh-oh. You might want the hint. The name is Woody. Shoot. Now, I'm I'm only thinking of the, the actor. Boyd. Woody Boyd. Well done. Oh. The hint was how people with a thick Boston accent might say the word bird. <laughs> We've reached our 12 name limit in the round one without really a clear winner because neither of you got strikes. Paul, you're down three points. We're going to play. Let's make a deal here for a second. Rachel, I'm going to pick a random number on the list. And if Paul can get it, we'll award him two points. But if he gets it wrong, I'll award you three points. So that'll put the pressure on him. So you get an opportunity to uh, score a three pointer here if you're willing to risk it. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. The name is Kelly. Okay, but before or after she got married? You can listen to the hint and... Let's let's go for the hint then. Okay, here's the hint. This is an audio hint. Kelly, my darling, you are my sunshine. We're together, I feel fine. Your smile is so lovely, your hair is so clean. You made me feel... That the whole world is mine. Kelly, 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 K E L L Y. Why? Because you're Kelly, 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 Kelly of mine. 
That was a bit of a long one, but uh, that's a classic moment on Cheers. I, I was going to say right after this, where's my present? Where's my gift? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going after she got married. I'm going to say Kelly Boyd. Kelly Boyd is correct. Well done. At the end of round one, Rachel has 12 points. Paul has 11. Rachel, congratulations. You've won round one, and that means you have the power. The power is yours. I have the power. <laughs> the fact that she has the power means the universe is uh, in harmony right now. <laughs> well, you're only one point back, so anything can happen as we go to round two in a minute. But before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. Who are you? The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X here on the show, and to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X, and what might potentially disqualify you from being Gen X? Welcome to the show, Rachel. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, and please include your Gen X qualifiers and disqualifiers. Let me see your identification. Hi, Zabe. Super excited to be here. So my qualifiers are I participated in Hands Across America. My very first album when I was like seven years old was Sean Cassidy's To Do Run Run. My disqualifier, however, is I really hate horror movies. I have never seen Poltergeist and everyone I've ever met has seen Poltergeist. Judges, that's a pretty big disqualifier. <laughs> I mean, if she didn't dominate that cheers round, uh, <laughs> there'd be some serious uh, debate going on whether to stay on the show. But uh, you need to check out Poltergeist. You really should. Judges, is that correct? Yes. There okay. All right. Done. Okay. Thanks for being on the show. Also, welcome to the show, Rachel's husband, Paul. We don't need to see his identification. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Glad to be here, Zabe. Thanks for letting us be on the show. My Gen X qualifier is, first of all, I was a latchkey kid in kindergarten, so that counts for something. But Wow. I also grew up in Guam, so the Gen X trope of, hey, go out and come back when it's dark. Well, we'd go out in the jungle where there was a war fought a few years earlier and pick up bullets and all that stuff, and there were unexploded bombs, and my mom would go, hey, come back when it's dark. Don't blow yourself up. Wow. Well, I thought I had it rough with come home when the streetlights come on. They'd have to dodge unexploded ordinances. <laughs> And my disqualifier, and I'm afraid you're going to throw me off the show, is uh -oh. I just don't get the Goonies. I, I mean, it's like one of those Holy Grail movies for Gen X, but I, I just never got into it. No Goonies and no Poltergeist. I know. There's some big holes in your Gen X cred. But judges are reminding me that uh, you guys are big Patreon supporters. So, of course, you can stay. <laughs> We're just going to ignore all that other stuff and just move right on to round two. Before we start round two, let's take another listen to The Power Struggle. Hey, he don't even have a license, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he helped Daniel get out the lines then. He helped kill a gun, get off the island. Lord, get a little closer. Don't be shy. 
Round two. Round two is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for a partial correct answer, if they can convince the judges for it. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point. But more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. The judges require that all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect they may be. If you say, I don't know here on the show, then you will lose a point and get slimed. Whoever has the most points at the end of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that you'll be playing for in the episode. Rachel, you have the power. You can pick between these two questions. Will it be? This question is called. That is why we need Eddie Van Halen. Excellent! Which is a movie question. Or you can pick Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, which is a television question. Um, Let's go with the movie question. The movie question. Excellent! Their music will help put an end to war and poverty. It will align the planets and bring them into universal harmony, allowing meaningful contact with all forms of life, from extraterrestrial beings to common household pets and... It's excellent for dancing. In Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the two great ones, Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, must be allowed to form their band, which will bring about a utopian society. The question is, what is the name of Bill and Ted's band? Wild Stallions. That is correct. Well done. I had multiple choice in here. <laughs> I just wanted to say option E was Minnie Van Halen, but... Uh, <laughs> I didn't get that far. Of course, Wild Stallions is correct. I'm Bill S. Preston, Esquire. And I'm Ted Theodore Logan. Wild Stallions! The phone booth time machine from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was not a spoof on the police box time machine in Doctor Who. According to co-writer Chris Matheson, neither he nor his co-writer nor the film's director knew anything about Doctor Who. In fact, in the original script, the time machine was going to be a Chevy van, but they were encouraged to change it so it wouldn't be too similar to the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Well done, Rachel. That's two points for you. Paul, you get this question. It's called Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. Our generation got to experience a golden age of American broadcast television, from sitcoms to dramas to sketch comedy to Saturday morning cartoons. TV, when we were growing up, was really firing on all cylinders. And to this day, many viewership records are held by TV shows from the Gen X timeline. Here's a question. What iconic Generation X TV show still holds the record for the most watched finale of any television series? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, All in the Family, B, Seinfeld, C, The Cosby Show, or is it D, MASH? You know, all of those shows are great, but uh, Category gave it away. I mean, it's MASH. I mean, it is MASH. Well done. Although the show struggled during its first season, MASH went on to have a successful 11-season run, and its final episode, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, remains the most-watched finale of any television series. Well-remembered on that title, Paul. The show was so beloved that for a time, Radar's teddy bear was on display at the Smithsonian. Ironically, the teddy bear wasn't even a planned prop for the show. Someone spotted the bear lying around on the set where the show was filmed, and Gary Berghoff incorporated it into his character. Which, if you think about it, it's kind of a Dak move on this guy's part. 
because that teddy bear clearly belonged to somebody. There's some kid who's visiting the set and brought along his stuffed animal, and this actor saw it laying around and said, hey, oh, I'll take this. This will be part of my character. <laughs> All the while, this kid's searching for this stuffed animal that he brought, probably crying himself to sleep every night without his boo-boo bear. I hope it was worth it. Jerk. <laughs> and again, I grew up in Guam, and so our TV was some guy getting the tapes out of Southern California and flying them over to the island and then playing them. So we got Southern California's TV a week later. So that's how I knew about Cal Worthington, his dog spot. And I'm still traumatized by all the shows that are to be continued because about 75% of them, I've never seen the second episode. It's oh, just like no. triggering to me. Well, through the magic of today's technology, you can go back and relive that and i have yeah for me mash was the when she heard that music playing was the signal that afternoon cartoons were done and it was time to uh, go outside and play or or do something else for sure that's like we, the clock on 60 minutes time to go to bed. <laughs> yeah exactly that saturday morning cartoons once that damn stopwatch goes it's time to bounce i'm mike wallace i'm morley safer i'm diane sawyer those stories and Andy Rooney tonight on 60 Minutes. Robin, can you please give us a scoring update? Yes, both contestants scored two points. So the score is now Rachel with 14. She still holds the power. And Paul with 13. Only one point separates you as we go into the next set of questions. Rachel, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be songs to learn and sing, which is a music question? Or will it be F you, Jobu, I do it myself? The second one, please. Which is called what? <laughs> this, that's that. what it's called. That's terrible. It's a movie question. Joe Boo, I'll do it myself. Okay. You tell that, Joe Boo. Major League is one of the best American sports movies to come out in the 80s, which is impressive considering it's a comedy and not a dramatized retelling of a true story like Rudy or Hoosiers. This is probably because it was created with people who love baseball for people who love baseball. Bob Euchre, who plays the sports announcer, was a catcher in the major leagues and later a sports broadcaster. Also, the relief pitcher for the opposing team at the end of the film was played by an actual pitcher, Willie Mueller. In fact, Charlie Sheen has said he was cast for his skill as a pitcher as much for his skill as an actor. I did not know that. That's interesting. I did not know that. That is a fun fact already. Haven't yeah. even got to the answer yet. Like the protagonist team, the main opposing team was named after an actual major league team. Which team do the Cleveland Indians face off against in the final game of the movie to determine the division champion? Is it A, the New York Yankees, B, the Milwaukee Brewers, C, Boston Red Sox, D, the Toronto Blue Jays, or is it E, the Rockford Peaches? I believe it is the New York Yankees. New York Yankees is correct. Well done. David S. Ward, the writer and director of the movie, is a longtime Cleveland baseball fan who said he was inspired to make the movie so that he could see his favorite team get some wins. In 2022, the Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Guardians, probably because India is just a bit outside of Ohio. Just a bit outside. <laughs> Paul, this question is for you. It's called Songs to Learn and Sing. Echo and the Bunnymen is an English rock group out of Liverpool formed in 1978 by original band members Ian McCulloch, Will Sargent, and Les Pattinson. 
The band found mainstream success in the UK by 1980. Just a year later, a successful tour in America solidified the band's popularity overseas, and the band is still touring today with both McCulloch and Sargent. Legendary filmmaker John Hughes used one of Echo and the Bunnymen's song in the movie Pretty in Pink. Which song appears in the movie? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, Rescue? B, The Back of Love? C, Lips Like Sugar? Or is it D, Bring on the Dancing Horses? All of those songs are amazing. I got to say that right up front. But I believe it's D, Bring on that Dancing Horses. You don't sound 100% sure. Like, I have seen Pretty in Pink, like, maybe two or three times. I- I'm pulling for you, Paul. I'll let you change your answer if, if you want to. Or you can stick with Bring on the Dancing Horses. Which is the best song out of that list. Mm-hmm. You going to stick with it? Oh, man. Since you're asking me, probably not. <laughs> I don't want to mislead you. No, I'm going to stick with it. Okay. I'm gonna Good, lose. because I was trying to mislead you. That is correct. (laughs) Well done. Bring on the dancing horses is the correct answer. I got to tell you, Rachel and I are in the same room, and she was trying to fake me out by, like, giving me the... (laughs) (laughs) She's gaslighting you. She knows. She knows. Well done. That is, of course, correct. Here's the fun fact. When the band first started, they lacked a drummer, so they featured a drum machine, which was assumed by many to be, quote, Echo in the band's name. But according to Sargent, the name was thought of on the fly by a friend who kept suggesting terrible band names. Suggestions from his friends included the Dasmin and Glycerol and also the Fan Extractors. I mean, if you want more fans, you shouldn't have extractors in your name. But regardless, Sargent said he thought Echo and the Bunnymen was just as stupid as the rest, but they went with it all the same. So iconic now. It's hard to believe. Right. You don't even blink an eye at Echo and the Bunnymen now. But I remember the first time I heard it, my brother was into it, my older brother. And he said, oh, this is Echo and the Bunnymen. I'm like, really? That's the name you're going to go with? But now I couldn't imagine anything else. Rachel still has the power. It is still a one point game. As we go into these next two questions, Rachel, you get to pick between these two. The questions are titled, when Harriet axes Charlie, which is a movie question, or will it be... Send a sound check, which is a head-to-head challenge. I'm going to go with the sound check. All right. For this question, I will give you the titles of tracks of a musical score of a popular movie from Generation X, and you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, and that should give you the hints you need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player who will give me a new movie title with each turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. There are eight track titles on this list. And longtime listeners know that the judges get really upset and our players seem to get the answers to this too quickly. We have tried to make things more difficult from episode to episode, but nothing seems to work. So this episode, we're we're not going to give out any hints as to which movie this is. You're going to have to get it solely and only off the track listings without any help. Judges, are you finally satisfied? Okay. You picked the wrong topic. <laughs> Rachel? Can you get this movie based off this song from its musical score? Song one is called Opening. I think it's Star Wars. Star Wars. Incorrect. Sorry. There's no way you're going to get it off that first one, Rachel. I'm only teasing you. All right. You get more chances because I don't think Paul's going to get it off the next one anyways. Okay. Oh, thanks for the the, the (laughs) confidence there. You got it. Song two is titled Both Parents Deceased. What movie features the music titled Both Parents Deceased? And has an opening, apparently. 
Forrest Gump. I know that's wrong, but that's, mm-hmm. that's correct. Nothing. It is wrong. Uh, <laughs> I get the point for that, right? Judges? No. Nope. We're going to go back to Rachel for song okay. three. It's called Car Slash Foot Chase. What movie features Car Slash Foot Chase, both parents deceased, and opening, which is absolutely no help to you at all. So you know this movie has a car and or foot chase. A character has both parents deceased and it begins. I'm just going to guess the golden child. The golden child is incorrect. It's okay. The judges are having such a fun time offset here. (laughs) They're loving this that you guys aren't getting it. Okay, Paul, back to you. Song four is called Night Surfing. So far we have Night Surfing, Car Slash Foot Chase, Both Parents Deceased, and Opening Point Break. Point Break is correct. Well done. Oh my gosh. All that's, right. That's two points for you, Paul. And you have stolen the power. Feel the power. Boo. <laughs> uh, the rest of the song titles. Let's run through them real quick. Song one was opening. Song two, both parents deceased. Song three was car slash foot chase. If you remember that very iconic scene in the movie Point Break. Song four was night surfing, which you got on. Song five was Skydive, followed by song six, Tyler Misunderstands. Song seven was Bank Robbery. And song eight was Bodie and Utah. And song nine was a hidden bonus track, which of course was called I Am an FBI Agent. Well done, Paul. It's a great steal. In a long time. We need to watch that again. He's not coming back. (laughs) Was that your Keanu Reeves impression? (laughs) Which is really bad. Okay. All right. Here's the fun fact. Surfing maestro Derek Doner, a.k.a. Double D, acted as Patrick Swayze's stunt double in the Bell's Beach scene. Double D said, quote, Patrick Swayze called me and said, I need you to die for me, man. And I said, I don't like die for anyone, man. And he's like, no, come on, man. Like, I really need you to die for me, dude. He added, when it came to my stunt work, there was no storyboard, no plan, no contract. The worst part was that I had no representation, which was a big mistake. That was like a $50,000 stunt, and I got nothing for doing it, end quote. He did get something for it, however. He still has the Guinness Book of World Records for the biggest wave ever body served when he did that stunt at the end of Point Break. Yeah, it's yeah. like a 25-foot wave or something like that. He body served. <gasps> the more you know. Okay, Paul, you can really run up the score right now because you get this question. It's called When Harriet Axes Charlie. That's the one I should have picked. I told you that. All right. This is a movie question. So I Married an Axe Murderer stars Mike Myers as the protagonist Charlie, a beat poet on the rise in San Francisco who often writes and performs work based on his frequent breakups. Myers also plays Charlie's Scottish dad, Stuart, while wearing prosthetics and affecting a thick accent. Myers got the job after standing in for Stewart, who hadn't been cast yet, during the table read. His line delivery had the whole room cracking up. They decided to have him play both roles in the movie. Can you finish this line with your best Scottish accent set in the movie by Stewart? Finish this line. Let's hear the Scottish accent roll out of the mouth. Here's the line to finish. He'll be crying himself to sleep tonight. On his huge pillar. <laughs> Well done. Great job, Paul. That is correct. And I have to say, so I married an axe murderer. Best soundtrack of any movie ever. I'll fight anybody who says different. Any movie ever. 
any movie ever. I love every single song. It is so high energy. It's the best. Should have had that for cinema sound check. You would have done really well. Yes. <laughs> Here's the fun fact. Meyer said that he based his mannerisms and voice as Stuart on his own father, who is an English immigrant. Mike Myers went on to use this same voice in the Shrek movies. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You're welcome, millennials. R.I.P. Alan Arkin, who passed away recently, who starred in this movie. You will be missed. Hey, somebody needs a hug. Speaking of accents, we're still looking for listeners to give us a call on our nifty voicemail system on our website. We are putting out a challenge to our listeners to visit our website, click on the blue microphone icon and leave us a voicemail. We are looking for the best, thickest, most awesome regional accents to ask us a Gen X pop culture trivia question for the show. We need at least five good questions to make an episode and the submissions with the best accents will get on an upcoming challenging stage episode. Who are we kidding? If you've listened to this podcast before, you know the ones with the worst accents will get on the show as well. So step up to the challenge and use that voicemail system that we're paying for and add your Gen X voice to the podcast. It's free for you to use, and it would be amazing to hear from our two British listeners since they already have those weird accents ready to go. Goodbye, Archie. You gonna shoot me? Uh, yes. Yes, friend, so old chap. Sorry. Head over to whowillsaygenx.com or just click on the link in the show notes of this episode. Now we're going to the last two questions in the round. Paul, you have the power, and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be the music's played by the madman, which is a potpourri category. I think every game show host dreams to introduce a category with this title. So dream fulfilled for me. Opery is the category. Or will it be name that auto tune, which is a head to head challenge? I think I'll go with the potpourri. Yeah. Potpourri. Here we go. Like any generation, Gen X is made up of a hodgepodge of different cultural movements and art genres and party scenes. I mean, this was basically the point of Breakfast Club, right? But also like any generation. We have some things that unite us because we all came of age around the same time. Few things marked our generations quite like the late years of the Cold War, which came with the ever-daunting threat of nuclear war. Here's the question. What is the name of the military doctrine applied during the Cold War to prevent a full-scale nuclear war between the United States and the USSR? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, SDI, which stands for Strategic Defense Initiative? B, SAC, strategic air countering. Is it C, MAD, mutual assured destruction? Or is it D, SMD, which stands for 69, dude? 69, dudes! Okay, before I answer the question, I have to apologize for the Scottish accent to the two British listeners we have. My apologies. Our slogan is, if it's no Scottish, it's crap. The second, I have to correct the answer for question B, it's strategic air command. But the answer is mutual assured destruction. That is correct. We're going to have to get a, have a little discussion with our fact checkers on option B. But we'll do that off the air. Nobody likes to know it all, Paul. <laughs> C, mutual assured destruction is, of course, the correct answer. The term mutual assured destruction was coined in 1962 by Donald Brennan to describe the theory that if each side has enough nuclear weapons to wipe out the other, then peace is assured. Brennan came up with the acronym MAD on purpose to point out that holding weapons capable of destroying society was irrational or MAD. Sounds like a totally normal and not psychologically scarring environment to come of age in. Am I right? Oh my gosh. It's awesome. <laughs> Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. 
We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. So here's the last question in the round. It's named that auto-tune. For this question, the judges will perform part of a popular Gen X song, and you need to tell me the title and artist of the song. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will be also used an awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than is necessary. There are a total of three songs, and you'll take turns answering, so that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. Here's your song one, Rachel. Song one is from 1984. Listed as a dance slash electronic pop song. Here's the judge's version. Listen close. They gave you life. And in return you gave them hell. As cold as ice. I hope we live to tell the tale. I hope we live to tell the tale. I know it's tears for fears. I think it's everybody wants to rule the world. I'm sorry, Rachel. That is incorrect. Paul, you get a chance to steal. Do you know this one? Man, I, I I don't. I didn't even know it was Tears for Fears. That's the problem. So Who I'm, let this guy I'm, play this game? Didn't you know that's Tears for Fears? I'm Come sorry. on. I'm trying to think of a Tears for Fears song. What's uh, I can't say I don't know, so I'm not gonna say I don't know. Um uh, I, I, you got people uh, that are listening to the podcast right now. They are shouting out the answer at you right now. Sorry, guys. I've done that before myself. Um yeah, I you said everybody wants to rule the world. And that's all I got. That's all I got. I'm going to say. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Rachel, we're going to give you one point for getting Tears for Fears. And the song is called Shout. <laughs> Thanks for the hint. Here's the fun oh, fact. I'm the uptake here. Tears for Fears were followers of American psychologist Arthur Genov. School of Primal Therapy. This song was inspired by his primal therapy treatment, which worked by getting people to confront their fears by shouting and screaming. The name of the group came from Janov's book, Prisoners of Pain. That's what it's called. Why they went with Tears for Fears as the name instead of Prisoners of Pain, I'll never know. But I guess it makes a better metal name than a pop band. Here's song two. This one's for you, Paul. You get to redeem yourself right here. It is a rock song from 1990. Artisan title to this song right here oh calls love cuts a million ways shakes the devil when he misbehaves i ain't nobody's fool come on shake it up whatever i do Arrow. listening to the podcast this is the one that i just cannot do i this is probably wrong but i'm gonna go with the cars shake it up judges mm, that yeah. is incorrect Oh, yeah, 1990. That was a really great guess on my yeah. part. You totally blew it, dude. The Cars, big hits yeah. in the 90s. They were jamming and shake it up. That was a huge yeah. 90s hit. Rachel, golden opportunity for you to steal the power back. Ooh, ooh, no, up. that's the Cars. That's what that's I was That's what saying. you said. Oh, then I... Oh, shoot. That's what I was oh, doing. Oh, you're so old. Um, <laughs> all right. Nirvana smells like team spirit. I have no idea. Surprisingly, that is incorrect. Let's listen to the reveal. Yes, that is Cradle of Love by Billy Idol. 
No points for either of you on that one. But here's the fun fact. During Generation X, however much we may disagree with opinions of our peers during those days, we can all agree that 18-year-old Betsy Lynn George was smoking hot in this video. She's a babe. She's a robo-babe. In Latin, she would be called Babia Majora. If she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. Okay, moving on. Song three is from 1986 and belongs to the alternative slash indie genre, according to Google. Let's give the judges version a listen. And if a tin ton truck kills the both of us to die by your side, well, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. I was just singing this right before we came on. Quite possibly the easiest one we've ever had in the two-year history of this podcast. Just to put more pressure heaped upon you. I know it's part of the triumvirate, but <laughs> I can't think of the title. It's Smith. It's uh, on your side. Yeah, I'm sorry, all Gen Xers out there on the planet. I know the band. I know the song. I can hear it in my head. I just can't come up with a title. It's, I mean, it's the Smiths. It's uh, you need a title. Girlfriend in the coma. No, it's not right, but I have to get say something so I don't lose a point. There it is. Girlfriend in the coma is incorrect. Rachel, he's gifting you the well, power if you can get the name of this song and the artist. I believe it is To Die By Your Side. Yes. No, it's a different. It's not it. So your guess is the same words that are played in the clue. You think I'm going to play the song's title in the clue? I can't think is of what, what the, the name mindset of the that's song happening right be. now. I know the words. I just don't know the name of the song. Well, here's a hint. You know the words. Side. You know That's the title. What I just said. <laughs> to die by your side. That's my guess. Let's listen to the reveal and see if it comes to you guys collectively together at the exact same moment. I did not know that was the name of that song. The lightning never goes out. There is a light that never goes out. It is a long title here on Who Will Save Generation X Trivia Game Show. We appreciate long titles. Paul gets one point for a partial correct answer by saying the Smiths. So we're going to give you that point. But here's the fun fact. Guitar legend Johnny Marr reminisced about recording this song saying, quote, it was an enjoyable 40 minutes when we all got together. It was the first time all four of us had heard what it sounded like. And it was magical. Someone told me that if you listen with the volume really, really up, you can hear me shout, that was amazing, right at the end. You know, I've heard this song a million times. It is my all-time favorite Smith song. It might be my all-time favorite song, period. But I've never noticed hearing anyone say, that sounds amazing at the end of that song. But I'll have to listen to it next time. Oh, the judges are handing me a note. Oh, the judges are telling me that we had just enough time left in this episode to try it out. Let's let's give it a listen to it. Let's turn the volume way up. See if we can hear Johnny Marr saying that was amazing at the very end of it. Let's judges, you got that cute up? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. That was amazing. <laughs> nope. I still don't hear it. I got it. I got to maybe we had headphones or something and crank the volume up. I I I still don't. Scoring update, Robin.
At the end of round two, Paul has made a pretty big comeback. Rachel has a total of 17 points and Paul has a total of 22. Wow. With a score of 22 to 17. Paul, congratulations. You have the most points at the end of round two. You and I are going to take a secret trip to the prize vault where you are going to select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before I do that, Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. The Kid Superpower Hour with Shazam will return after these messages. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting world is by positive reviews and word of mouth amongst friends. So if you're inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. We now return to our program. Before we start round three, that was our last chance to solve the power struggle question, to steal the power and score five points and go first in round three. Rachel, here's your opportunity. Remember, you need to name what the clip is from and in the correct order, one through five, just fire them off. Here we go. Well, what if I only know two of them? Every question must be given an answer. Just do your Uh, best. I'm guessing number one, Space Invaders. Number two, some sort of cartoon. Three, a Janet Jackson song. 
before coming to America. Get off the island, Lord. And five, they aired extra dry deodorant commercials. Judges, did she get all five and in the correct order? I'm sorry, Rachel, you did not. That means we turn this over to the listeners to see if they can get it correct and claim that prize package. To enter for a chance to claim that generous prize package, you can join our newsletter and there will be a place for you to send in your answers. Details on how to join the newsletter can be found in the show notes for this episode or by visiting our website at whowillsavegenx.com. Good luck. Okay, Rachel, that means you have to go off to the Phantom Zone. Bye, everybody. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via our newsletter. The player who has the power, that's you, Paul, gets to answer first with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five survey questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever ends up with the most points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance at the prize package that Paul has selected in secret. If you would like to take part in Dysfunctional Family Feud surveys, listeners, sign up for our newsletter on our website, and it will include a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Okay, let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. Rachel, we're going to put you in the phantom zone. Paul, you get one pass, and make sure you are filtering with what you think are the most popular answers and not just what you personally think are the best answers. I appreciate the explanation. I'm a product of the Guam public school system, so I I need all I can get. (laughs) Well, there's nothing Guam with that. Here we go. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Besides books, name something you buy at the Scholastic Book Fair. Posters. Besides Star Wars or Star Trek, name a movie that takes place in outer space. Battlestar Galactica. I love that movie. What is something you wanted in your bedroom when you were a teen, but your parents wouldn't allow it? And don't say unexploded bombs. That's not on the list. A lava lamp. Who was the most useless super friend? Aquaman. Did you say Aquaman? Aquaman. And finally, which was the best Billy Idol song? White Wedding. Let's bring Rachel back in. Rachel, you are going to crush me because I really did bad. All right. Okay, Rachel, I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Paul. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this sound, and I'll ask you for another answer. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Besides books, name something you buy at the Scholastic Book Fair. Posters. Try again. Uh, The pencils with the troll doll. Besides Star Wars or Star Trek, name a movie that takes place in outer space. Uh, Alien, I think. Isn't that in space? Okay. No one can hear you scream. I know that. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. What is something you wanted in your bedroom when you were a teen, but your parents wouldn't allow it? Oh, a TV. Who is the most useless super friend? Aquaman. Try again. The water wonder twin. I don't, I can't remember his name. Zan. Was it really? Zan, yeah. <laughs> and finally, which was the best Billy Idol song? Uh, Money, Money. 
Okay. I Perfect. said Battlestar Galactic Ocean. That's a TV show. I know. It's <laughs> so bad. Oh, it's the How worst. I don't know. I just froze up. It was the worst. People are going to be laughing for days. Oh, my gosh. That was the worst thing ever. Ugh. All right. The points have been tabulated. Let's go to the scores. I asked you, besides books, name something you buy at the Scholastic Book Fair. Rachel, you said pencil topper, which was worth four points. Paul, you gave us posters, which was the number one answer with 40 points. 40? Well done, Paul. Hopefully it's one of those that have a picture of a cat that reads hang in there or a picture of that bitch in Lamborghini, right? (laughs) It was Farrah Fawcett. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not a lot of uh, pinup models at the Scholastic Book Fair. But, you know, maybe elementary school in Guam might, you know, you never know. All right. Going into round three, Paul had 22 points and Rachel had 17. So we're going to add that to your total. So that brings the total Paul with 62 points and Rachel with 23. You know, we get the information for these surveys from our listeners via our newsletter and we get some interesting replies. So I'd like to give some of the honorable mentions to some of these entertaining answers. Honorable mention goes to that click pin that had four different colors, if you remember that one. Some people said nothing because, quote, that money is for books only, says their parents. And lastly, book covers. It was such a Gen X answer. We had to include it because we said you cannot say books in the answer. So someone said, "Okay, I'll pick a book cover then. I respect it. Well done. Wait a minute. Book covers were made out of paper bags. See, that's what I'm thinking, too. I didn't have these fancy schmancy book covers you purchase. We were too poor. We just used a grocery bag and uh, did our best. Here's question two. Besides Star Trek or Star Wars, name a movie that takes place in outer space. Rachel, you gave us Alien, which is worth 34 points. Well done. Paul, you gave us the very memorable movie. Battlestar Galactica. I remember going to the drive-in and watching Battlestar Galactica with my big giant tub of popcorn and ah, total memorable. Uh, how many points is that worth, Robin? That was worth zero points. Oh, oh the shame. I brought shame on my poor little island of Guam. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, but in fairness to you, I believe there was a TV movie, Battlestar Galactica. So, Robin, what was the number one answer? Spaceballs worth 35 points. Oh, of course, Spaceballs. Honorable mention goes to the votes for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which I don't believe has a single scene in outer space in it, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, after two questions, Rachel definitely covered some ground. We're now at 55 points for Rachel, 62 for Paul. Here's question three. What is something you wanted in your bedroom when you were a teen, but your parents wouldn't allow it? Rachel, you gave us... TV, which was worth 31 points. Paul, you gave us Lava Lamp, which was worth one point. Yeah, number one answer was a phone, the clear plastic kind specifically. Or maybe one of those Garfield ones or the football phones from Sports Illustrated. That would have been rad too. As you might imagine, we got many colorful answers to this question, but shout outs to the answer for a pet rat after seeing the movie Ben, Mirrors on the Ceiling, and the most Gen X answer of all. Dude, our parents had no idea where we were. Do you think they knew what kind of stuff we had going on in our bedrooms? <laughs> to which I say, touche. Question four. Who was the most useless super friend? Rachel, you gave us... The Water Wonder Twin, or Zan, for 23 points. Paul, you gave us the awesome answer of... Aquaman, which was the number one point worth 30... Or the number one question answer worth 30 points. Sorry about that, Jesus. Take two. 
And I like Aquaman. I know people don't like him, but talking to animals, that's amazing. Who wouldn't want to be able to do that? Yeah, but he's talking to fish. You can really have a conversation with fish. Like you talk to your dog or something like that'd be pretty cool. But talk to your cool guppy. I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. Technically, the number one answer was Aquaman on dry land. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there you go. Okay. Last time I checked, the Hall of Justice is in the middle of a city. So Aquaman's pretty useless right there. Honorable mentions for this one are all of them except Superman and Batman. And someone just said, nerd. And I think that was meant for me personally. However, I say the joke's on you, buddy. I'm not a nerd because nerds are geeks with high intelligence and I'm just a geek. So right on. Do- oh, wait, never mind. I'm gonna pat- <laughs> okay, here we go. Moving on quickly. And it all comes down to our final question. Which was the best Billy Idol song? Rachel. You gave us the memorable tune of Monet, which was worth 14 points. Monet squared was worth how many points? 14 points. Well done. How can only 14 people have said that? When that jet sound right in the middle at the bridge, oh my gosh, it's the best. It's too late to argue with the judges. The points are already in. I I respect your loud arguments though, Rachel. We need more of those on the show. And it all comes down to Paul's answer of... White Wedding. Paul needs to beat Rachel's score of 109. He has 93 going into the last answer, which means he needs at least 17 points to win. 17 points is the threshold, but let's find out. What did Gen X say? Survey said. White Wedding was our number one answer worth 38 points. Well done, Paul. That means you've won the game. Congratulations. You're doing your part to save Generation X. Well done. He said Battlestar Galactica. How could he have won? But I was going into Toshi <laughs> Station to pick up some power converters. I'm truly humiliated by that answer, I will just say. Oh, well, if there's one thing I know about growing up in Generation X, life ain't fair, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. And we got to take our lumps. It just isn't fair. But you know what? There's always room for revenge later on in a further episode. So <laughs> we might have to have you come back. Hey, Rachel, though, I'm sorry that you lost this episode and things didn't quite go your way. But did you have a good time anyways? This was so much fun. Everybody should do this. If you get a chance, do this. It's super fun. Thanks so much for playing. For winning the game, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Paul until I'm the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I'll buy that item for the winner and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes Paul had to pick from and reveal what was chosen. The items in the prize vault include, as is show tradition, you have your choice of either Garbage Pail Kids, Mauled Paul, or Ralphing Rachel. Mauled Paul is bandaged up and in pain, and Ralphing Rachel is vomiting all kinds of disgusting bile. Next, pictured in his unforgettable role as mustachioed rebel officer Bren Derlin in The Empire Strikes Back, it's John Rattensberger, hand-signed autograph, 4x6 photo. He served the Rebel Alliance Intelligence and was named security chief at Hoth's Echo Base. I'm sure you guys all know this back history and canon. I'm not going to bore you all with the Star Wars trivia, but that could be yours. John Rattensberger, in case you didn't know, is the name of Cliff Clavin, and he had a small part in Empire Strikes Back, as some of you might recall. Speaking of cheers, the next two items in the prize vault are your choice of either a vintage 10-ounce glass beer mug from the Real Cheers Bar in Boston, or to keep the trivia games going on after the show with this Cheers trivia board game. 
Next, we have this custom-made cookie cutter formed in the shape of Bill and Ted in their famous pose sitting on top of the phone booth time machine. There are a lot of fine details in this cookie cutter, and any baker can tell you that the more fine details you put in a cookie cutter, the more authentic your cookie's going to come out. For some reason, in 1981, they decided it would be a good idea to make a line of MASH action figures for children. And here we have a MASH Allen Alda Hawkeye action figure from 1981. If I know one thing, then it's that kids love to play with toys that recreate scenes from a mobile army surgical hospital during the Korean War. Checkmate. And finally, we offer this bobblehead figurine of Jobu, Pedro Serrano's voodoo idol from the Major League. If you're having trouble hitting the curveball, we can supply you with Jobu, but you'll have to bring your own cigar and rum. It's very bad to steal Jobu's rum. He's very bad. Paul, please tell us what item you selected and why. Well, I had to pick the uh, John Ratzenberger Star Wars poster because it is the perfect nexus of Cheers and Star Wars. So it like covers the gamut of all of these genres. Though I did hesitate a little. I thought maybe the Joe Boo kind of <laughs> like that. But uh, now nah, John Ratzenberger, that's the one. That photograph starting bid is 75 cents and the Joe Boo bobblehead is 50 bucks. So I'm very glad that you picked the photograph. However, let's bid this sucker up. Hey, what do you know? We're the top bidder at 75 cents and $3.50 shipping. If this bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I'll buy it for you. Good luck, Paul. Woo! It's a pretty badass picture. It is. It's I awesome. mean, look at them. Gee, I hate to see that kind of thing happen between women. Yeah, I know what you mean, Coach. Uh, women fighting is very unladylike. Unless, of course, they're wallowing around in mud pits. <laughs> if only someone sent you an email that said, hey, make sure you have I, something I in mind. I told you. I, I, know, I, know, I know, I know. For a plug. I, it's, that's my fault, Rachel. I should have done that for you. <laughs> that's all on me. Don't feel bad. Hey, guys, do you have any shout outs or anything you'd like to plug here on the show? A shout out to all of the graduates of Agate Santa Rita High School, Gen X in the islands. Was that, was that your school in Guam? Yeah. Word. Uh, Rachel, anything for you? Shout out. Yeah. The Morningside gang, all the, the girls that we drove around in a classic car that we thought was a piece of junk, even though it was like worth a lot of money, but we didn't appreciate it because it was old. And uh, we listened to endless amounts of Duran Duran and uh, every everything. So, hey, Morningside ladies. Yo, is let's do this. You said the Morningside gang? Okay. You know... It's got to say something here. Rachel, this is a family show. I'm not going to be supporting gang activity. I grew up in L.A. area, and gangs were no joke, and we're not about to support them in any way, shape, or form on the podcast. I'm sorry. Judges, Morningside Gang, plug. I'm sorry. Oh. Sorry, ladies. Yeah. Is it a club or a gang? No, it was just their neighborhood girls down in oh, okay. St. George. All right, let's take it back then. Okay. Right. Okay, well, I have two shout-outs to give. I'd like to give a huge shout-out to our newest Patreon supporter, Mary Beth, who recently signed up at our newest tier on Patreon called the 69 Club tier. 69, dudes! The newest tier only costs $1.69 to join. However, we have a special going on right now on our Patreon site that if anyone joins the 69 Club tier at $1.69, they automatically get the benefits of the $6 Double Deer tier. This is a limited time offer and is limited to only the first 69 people that sign up. And then that's it. We have upgraded all of our tiers recently. So check us out on Patreon and see what all the new offers are all about. Thank you, Mary Beth. 
since we know you're a big Michael J. Fox fan, here's a sound clip in your honor that we hope you especially like. I was hoping it would pass you by. Well, Daddy, it didn't pass me by. It landed on my face. My second shout out goes to an extremely talented person who is our producer, scorekeeper, and has become a dear friend of mine. A long overdue shout out goes to you, Robin. Thanks for all your help. You've been on the podcast. You have truly elevated the show by adding your time and talents to it. If you go back and listen to the episodes before you got here versus the ones that you wrote on and added to creatively, then you know the improvements that you've made on the podcast. Thank you. The judges and I are thankful to have someone helping with the show who can solve the mysteries of this podcast thing with. And although I've never really seen myself as much of the Batman type, I certainly know how great it is to have a Robin at your side. This sound clip is just for you, but it will also give the listeners a little insight to our trivia writing process. Listen to these riddles. Tell me if you interpret them as I do. One, what has yellow skin and rights? A ballpoint banana. Right. Two, what people are always in a hurry? Russian people? Russians. Right again. Now, what would you say they mean? Banana? Russian. I've got it. Someone Russian is going to slip on a banana peel and break their neck. Precisely, Robin. The only possible meaning. Thank you, Robin. On behalf of myself and the judges, we appreciate all you do for the show. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of this. I love writing for the show. I love getting to be a part of it. I have a shout out, Zabe, if I can. Uh, no, you may not. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Robin. Sorry. My brother, Daniel, is a really excellent DM. If anyone listening plays Dungeons and Dragons or is interested in getting into Dungeons and Dragons, he's uh, kind of created his own sort of take on the system. I've played it. Paul, my dad here, has played it as well. And we have so much freaking fun playing it. He's a great game master. He has a great system with great story in it. If you're interested in looking at what he does or maybe booking him as a DM, just check out danthedm.com. We have our website up and running and we'd love for you to check it out and let us tell us what you think. Well, we'll put a link into the show notes for this episode. You had me at take on the system. I'm just going <laughs> to... Yeah, right? <laughs> let's take on the system together. Pro Dungeon Masters should be a common thing in this world. So we wholeheartedly support that. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Thank you for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcasting enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our show. Thank you. If you like what we're doing here and you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. At our Patreon site, you'll see special offers for becoming a contributor to the show. So take advantage of those if you're interested, just like our guest did tonight. If you'd like, you can head over to who will save to learn all about the ways you can do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten. But if you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I promise to write you back with all the details you could ever want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. In either case, thanks so much for listening. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for checking out the show. We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. I still can't believe Girlfriend in a Coma isn't your favorite Smith song. So I no, there, no. there were no girlfriends for young Zabe growing up. <laughs> it didn't quite reach my heart quite like uh, yearning to die in a 10 ton truck accident.
<laughs> well, what's funny about that song is my friend Adam wrote a uh, letter to his then crush and wrote the lyrics to that song. If a 10 ton truck kills the both of us to die by your side, pleasure, the privilege is mine. And she ate it hook, line and sinker. Like she like, oh, she thought it was the most romantic and like, oh, it's so sweet. And, and uh, of course we never told her that he's just ripping it off from Morrissey. Let Smart. me tell you, Morrissey knows how to get the chicks. If I've learned anything, that's what I've learned. We don't have to be violent or ugly or arrogant. Just be charming. And what a pleasant world that would be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.